All right, welcome back to the Shadows of Jesus, where we are walking through the whole Bible. The whole thing. Yeah, Genesis to Revelation and showing how it's all about Jesus. And so today we're going to cover Haggai, Zechariah, and Daniel. A lot of stuff. We might go long, but it will be good. That's right. Good all right, so um, I'm Jeff Martin, and I'm joined by the one and only... Bill Jolly. Bill Jolly, yeah. So what's happened is we've seen... Um, Israel fall. So the nation of Israel, the nation of Judah, mm-hmm. they've been conquered. Persia comes in, allows people to return to their homelands. Right. So when we looked at Ezra and Nehemiah, they've, they've come back to rebuild the temple, to mm-hmm. rebuild the city walls. But um, Haggai and Zechariah are kind of like, they're, they're in that work. Right. And the, the work of the temple has began to stop. Like they're, they're, they're getting lazy. It's a daunting task. And so mm-hmm. they come in to, to light a fire. Yes. I so, so let's jump into Haggai. Okay. So in chapter one, Haggai rebukes the people for caring more about their own homes than God's home. Mm-hmm. And so what, what does this rebuke lead to? It, well, it leads to a movement of the spirit yes. and the people are stirred up and they receive passion and energy that they need to rebuild the temple. So it's, it's a short, it's a short book, but right. it's, it's powerful. It's like he, he calls them out. You know, mm-hmm. you guys care more about your little panel houses than do the temple. Yeah. And then they get, they get passionate. Like, okay, let's do this. We, we can do it. It's good. Yeah. Verse seven in chapter one, he says, consider your ways. I like that line. Yeah. It's, it's good. Stirring them up. So chapter two, he reminds them of how the temple looked before it was destroyed. Mm-hmm. And how do you feel if you're like, remember what the temple looked like? Well, they were a little uh, disheartened by that. Yeah, it's like like it was beautiful back then. There's mm-hmm. no way it can how's it going to compare to to what we had before? Yeah, yeah, you can't rebuild that thing. Um, but um, God makes a, a declaration, mm-hmm. right? Like he he's like, oh yeah, it's, it's actually going to be better. So, um, so so here. Um, Sorry, I lost, lost my place there. Um, so God says, like, be strong. I'm with you. In verse 9, he says, the latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, mm-hmm. says the Lord of hosts. Mm-hmm. And in this place, I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. Mm. Um, so we know that once the temple was finished, people were actually sad. We, we read that previously mm-hmm. in Nehemiah. Like, they're sad because it doesn't compare to the first one. So what's he talking about? Yeah, what do you think? What's, what's going on there? Um, well, so why don't you read, so read with that in mind? Yeah, read John chapter, chapter two. two. Yeah. So the Jews, this is, the Jews said to Jesus, "What sign do you show us for doing these things?" And Jesus answered them, "Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up." The Jews then said, "It has taken forty-six years to build this temple, and will you raise it up in three days?" But he was speaking about the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, the disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. Yeah, so I think I think Haggai too, in the temple Jesus that God is talking about is actually pointing us beyond this second temple. temple and pointing us to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so definitely, definitely a shadow of Jesus there. But then there's another little shadow of Jesus with Zerubbabel. So how how do how do we get to from Zerubbabel to Jesus? What does what does God tell Zerubbabel that he's going to do? Yeah. So in, in the, interesting when you, th- you think about this guy Zerubbabel, he says, "I'm going to uh, make you like a signet ring, for I've chosen yeah, like you. authority. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're going to act on my authority to overturn the evil in the world. And he's mm-hmm. just this seemingly insignificant gover- government official who's from the middle of nowhere. Yeah. But whose uh, lineage does he follow? <laughs> this is crazy. Yeah. If you look in Matthew in uh, chapter one, verse 12 and 13, it talks about Zerubbabel's, he's in the lineage. Yeah. So, okay. so it's like, Hey, he's from the line of David, but he's included in the genealogy that mm-hmm. goes from Abraham to David and from David to Jesus. So, mm-hmm. so he gets us to Jesus as the ultimate act of God's authority, that ultimate signet ring yeah. um, where he destroys all evil through conquering the grave conquering sin. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, any other yeah. thoughts Shadow on, on Haggai? I know, I know we've got a lot to cover today, so that's kind of a quick, quick overview. Mm-hmm. Overview. Yeah, good. I think you know his the the big challenge, a theme from that from from Haggai is seek first the kingdom of God. That's good. That's what he challenges. He says, you, you know, the house of the Lord is in ruins. Your houses are doing great. Put God's kingdom first. Yeah, Matthew six thirty three, the end mm-hmm. of the Sermon on the Mount. Seek first the kingdom of God. Yeah, that's 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 a great great summary there. So that gets us to Zechariah. Um, as Haggai was encouraging those who returned to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple, what was Zach- Zechariah encouraging the people to do? 
So he was talking to them about the need to repent and to renew their covenant with God because God, the end goal wasn't just to have a new temple, but it was for their the people to be ready to That's like to revival, worship. renewal for worship. Yeah. So, it's, yeah. so it's like, hey, it's not just about getting, like, let's get a new temple and we're done. It's like, no, no, the temple is is for the purpose of worship. So we need to renew ourselves yes. in that. Yeah. Um, so this, this, this book breaks down into two big sections. Chapters one through eight are oracles and visions. Mm-hmm. And then chapters nine through 14, it's about this return of a king. Sounds interesting. Yeah, so chapters one through eight, um, Zechariah, Zechariah calls God's people to return to the Lord, Mm -hmm. and then he gets eight visions. What time of day do these visions come? All of these at at nighttime. And what's crazy is, as you're looking at the the timing of it, it's the same night. Mm -hmm. So I don't like boom boom. My watch records my sleep, and it's like you had this much light sleep, this much deep sleep, this much rapid eye movement. Well, if he was wearing a watch. He went into some intense cycles of <laughs> yeah. REM there, man. So who knows what, what his sleep cycle looked like this night with these eight visions. Mm-hmm. Um, so so what are the eight? Yeah, what are so the, the first one, what's, what's the first vision? First vision is a horseman, the a horseman who patrol the earth, and they give God a report on the state of affairs. So they're, they're kind of like the Marine recon special forces. Yeah, so I think they're, they're, like, they're doing recon behind the scenes to give mm-hmm. report to God of, of what's happening. The second vision is of four horns. Yeah. And four craftsmen. Right. Um, any thoughts and on that? four on horns that? representing, that always represents power and yeah. a kingdom. And so it's probably the kingdoms that had conquered um, Israel. they're scattering God's people. Yeah. And then those kingdoms coming in and being uh, scattered by the craftsmen. Yeah. Um, and so we'll get more into those types of kingdom things with Daniel. Mm-hmm. Um, in chapter two, we get the third vision, which is a man with a measuring line. And mm-hmm. wh- what does he say? Yeah, I love that. He says that the future size of Jerusalem is going to be huge. You're not even going to be able to measure it because of how many people are going to return, not just Jews, but other nations as well. Yeah, and you even see that when when God's divvying up the land um, in earlier parts of the Old Testament, like the 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 expanse of God's kingdom is meant to reach all the earth. Mm-hmm. So um, in chapter three, we get the fourth vision of Joshua being clothed as the high priest. Mm-hmm. Why, why is that a big yeah, deal? Yeah, that one always is. That's worth reading. If you missed that, go back and look at Zechariah there um, because he's there, Joshua, or he's um, Yeshua. We're going to see some parallels yeah. there. Uh, that he was, it was a big deal because God's people needed a high priest to stand in the gap between them and God and to represent them. But here is he's in filthy rags. Yeah, and Satan's accusing him, and I, lo- I love that. So Satan was accusing him, and that's what Satan does. Mm-hmm. He stands before God, making accusations against us. These people don't love you, Job. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, these people are sinners. These these people don't des- deserve forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And she keeps going. He's making to this day. He is he's the accuser of the brethren. Yeah, but Jesus, God's servant, which is in verse eight, called what? Mr. Branch, the Branch, <laughs> yeah, a, a man named Branch. It's, yeah, it's kind of kind of weird and quirky. I like trolls. That. Is there a guy named Branch and trolls? I don't know. I don't know. I think so. Man um, named Branch. I think I think the guy. In, I think it's Justin Timberlake's character. I might okay. be wrong, but uh, he's the greater priest. And so, as mm. Satan makes these accusations, Jesus pleads his blood, which speaks a greater truth. Yes, mm. they've sinned. Yes, they deserve death, but they are fully loved, and because mm. of my blood. They're also fully forgiven. Therefore, there is now what does Romans eight one say? Yeah, there's therefore now no condemnation. No condemnation. Yeah, and I so, love that. And in, in verse two of that, he says, "The Lord rebuke you, O Satan." <laughs> I love that. Yeah. So the fifth vision is the golden lampstand. Um, mm-hmm. That's in chapter four, which is about God's watchfulness. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in chapter five, we get the sixth um, and seventh visions, which are yeah. the the flying scroll mm-hmm. and the woman in the basket. Right. And so, tiny woman in a tiny basket. <laughs> but you know, think about like the size. It gives us the measurements of this this flying scroll, scroll which, right. is, which is thirty feet by fifteen feet. So think billboard. Yeah, it's huge. You know, and so I love when you're driving on the highway and you see something's like, does advertising work? Just did. Like they're trying to get people to yeah to rent the space, but like this billboard has a, a message on it. You mm-hmm. know, instead of saying you know Bucky's exit four hundred seven in Sevierville, <laughs> the message is what? Yeah, it's judging wickedness, and everyone can read it. So it's confronting the mm-hmm. probably all you know. It says some specific things, but it's really um, judging and and convicting people of of sin. Yeah, and so then with the woman in the basket, that wickedness is more or less personified. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so where's she flying to? She's going to Shinar, which is Babylon, modern-day Iraq. She's going to a place in Babylon. Yeah, and so the, the imagery of this woman flying away is showing us what? Yeah, that God is removing wickedness from his people, that he's taking away idolatrous worship. Yeah, so he's, he's, he's doing the work for the people to be able to renew their worship. Mm-hmm. Then the last vision, um, or the eighth vision, comes in chapter 6, which is what? Which is what? Yeah, the, so in chapter 6, you see these four chariots, uh, which shows us that God's army is on the move. His power is going to reign over all the earth. Yeah, and so then chapter 7 and 8 talk about um, fasts. And mm-hmm. so they're, they're put in place for people to remember the destruction of the temple. So like, for them, fasting was a, a sad Mm-hmm. Sad thing. We're about to do a fast. Yeah. And we we see it as something joyful. Yeah. Even the right. first fast we did um, it's literally called, was a, called joyful a joyful fast. fast. Yeah. But they're they're fasting in sadness because the temple was destroyed and God's like, let's turn those fasts into feasts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because why? Yeah. So he's gonna he's asking that. So he wants them to uh remember that how the temple was destroyed. He wants them to celebrate how it's been rebuilt. Yeah. So he's like, stop stop worrying about that. What would happen? Like think where we are and where we're going. Like it's been rebuilt. Mm-hmm. Um, anything else from those chapters? Yeah, I think there, you know, there's this great line um where it, he says, It's not by might and not by power, and the the uh, vision of the lampstand. Mm. That's a, such a huge line. Not by might and not by power, but by my spirit says the Lord. This is how this is going to be accomplished, not yeah. human striving, but by the Spirit. And so that's like, we take that to heart for the daily Christian living. Yeah, you know, Paul says, do you, do you, did you, were you saved by faith? You know, uh, Were you saved by your works? No, you're saved by faith. And then do you live by the power of the Spirit, by bark, working hard for it, or by God's grace there too? Yeah. So it's by His Spirit that we live. Um, that's a good I, verse. Yeah, I appreciate it. I, I always like that when I read back through and see that um, in there. That would be that would be a main one. Yeah. So the next section, chapters nine through fourteen, it it focuses in on on kind of like these two oracles. Mm-hmm. And so the first oracle, chapters nine through eleven, um, Jerusalem has security because surrounding nations are no longer threats. Mm-hmm. Um, a saving king has arrived. So that's kind of the second half is about this arrival of a king, but they still have to recover from the effects of, of bad leadership from their pasts. Mm-hmm. And, and I would say probably the best part of this section is chapter nine, verses nine through 10. So could you read verses yeah. nine and 10? Yeah, famous verses. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he, humbled and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem, and the battle bow shall be cut off, and he shall speak peace to the nations. His rule shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. Yeah, so they're dealing with the consequences of of bad shepherds. Mm -hmm. Then here comes this good shepherd Mm -hmm. who's a king. Mm-hmm. Riding on a donkey. Yes, and yes. what does Jesus come cruising in on? Right, on a donkey. Riding on a yeah. donkey. So we see those, those we see lines fulfilled in, in Jesus. And then um chapter eleven, or yeah, chapter eleven, verses twelve to thirteen is is also really noteworthy. So could you read read verses twelve and thirteen of yeah. chapter eleven? Then I said to them, If it seems good to you, give me my wages, but if not, keep them. And they weighed out my wages as my wages, thirty pieces of silver. And then the Lord said to me, throw it to the potter, the lordly price at which I was priced by them. So I took the 30 pieces of silver and threw them into the house of the Lord to the potter. And so where, how, how does this point us to Jesus? Where do we see that fulfilled? Yeah, in, so um, that's the exact price that Judas has paid mm-hmm. for his betrayal. And, uh, and then he throws it into the temple and it's yeah. used to purchase a potter's field. Yeah. So everything, it's, you know, so you know, sadly poetic yeah. in, in that prediction there. But Jesus fulfills so many Old Testament prophecies. And um, and so as we read these, we know they always had immediate context of the people of Israel, um, but they also had a, a greater context, a greater fulfillment. And so mm-hmm. this is ultimately pointing us yeah. to Jesus. He's the Messiah. I mean, anything else in, in chapters 9 through 11? Mm-mm. So then um, the second oracle directly ties the hope of God's people to the house of David. And mm-hmm. so not only is God going to protect his people, He's going to restore them and renew them. Yeah. And then chapter 12 talks about God giving his people salvation. And, and verse 10 is huge. So mm-hmm. can yeah. you read chapter 12, verse 10? And I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and pleas for mercy, 
so that when they look on me, on him whom they have pierced, they shall mourn for him as one mourns for an only child and weep bitterly over him as one weeps over a firstborn. So there, uh, Zechariah at this point, that's three prophecies that are directly filled. Mm-hmm. Jesus I mean, he literally talks about the piercing yeah. of him. Um, and then chapter 13, mm-hmm. verses 7 through 9, why don't you, why don't you read those as sure. well? Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, against the man who stands next to me, declares the Lord of hosts. Strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. I will turn my hand against the little ones. In the whole land, declares the Lord, two-thirds shall be cut off and perish, and one-third shall be left alive. And I will put this third into the fire and refine them as one refines silver, and test them as gold is tested. They will call upon my name, and I will answer them. I will say, they are my people." And they will say, the Lord is my God. Yeah. And so Jesus, you know, he uses this parable of the seed sower. And, um, and he shows that people are going to respond differently to him. Some people will look like they have genuine faith and fade away. Some people mm-hmm. um, some people will be solid to the end. And, um, and so when he is struck, people scatter. Yeah. It's this t- but, it, but then what it ultimately proves is those who are truly following him or return, but what we see like this once again is fulfilled at the cross. What what do his disciples do? What does Peter do? Yeah, they run. They're out. But yeah. then but then God refines him and prepares him for a ministry, restores him to ministry. Yeah. You know, not not just forgives him, but restores him. So mm-hmm. we see this I like I think this is so beautiful and pointing to the restoration of Peter. They are my people. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. And see that wow. I, I'm not just I'm not just gonna forgive you. I'm gonna restore you because I've got a ministry for you to yeah. accomplish. And that readies him to then go and then face his own death. Mm-hmm. Um all standing for truth, mm. but anything else in those before we jump into Daniel? Yeah, it's, I, again, I'm you know it's just amazing how many uh, references to Jesus you see. In yeah, Zachary. it's pretty pretty packed with that so. and his visions there. Yeah, that's good. All right, so we're doing pretty good on time. I, I was worried. Um, so <laughs> obviously, there's a lot more in those books we could got into. Definitely mm-hmm. great reads. Mm-hmm. That gets us to Daniel. Yeah. Um, I love Daniel. Daniel breaks up into two main parts: chapters one through six. Mm-hmm. Pretty straightforward. A lot of sermon series cover chapters one through six. Yeah, um, fun to read those. Really, a lot of lot of children's, you know, churches, um, Veggie Tale on. episodes, everything. Then chapters seven to twelve get crazy. The, the, that's the <laughs> revelation of the Old Testament. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's like revelation of the Old Testament. Perfect way of times. saying it. Um, so chapter one, what we know is you know the southern kingdom of Judah gets conquered by who, Bill? The uh, southern kingdom. Uh, Babylonians and who who is the king that leads this charge for the ba- for Babylon? Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah, so Nebuchadnezzar comes along. He's hot headed, uh, egomaniac, murderous, vain, unreasonable. Mm-hmm. Um, he's an incredibly cruel king. Mm-hmm. Conquers Judah and then he starts deporting Jewish hostages to Babylon. And how far is he going to make these people walk? It's really far. Seven hundred. I've heard even nine hundred miles to get there. It's a Huge journey. Yeah, so we got like a seven hundred mile journey. You're gonna walk yeah. this thing, not hiking the Appalachian Trail. Yeah. <laughs> so read read miserable. verse two of, of Daniel says, one. The Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the vessels of the house of God, and he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. And so this is a really important phrase here uh, that Daniel. Well, so I've I've put a box around it mm. in my Bible. So every every time it says this, I have a box. Mm-hmm. But it's the it's the phrase that says the Lord gave. Mm-hmm. And so from Daniel's perspective, it was God who gave Babylon the victory, mm-hmm. and He wants us to know that despite circumstances and appearances, God is ultimately the one who is in control of history. Mm-hmm. And so from the first page to the last, Daniel clearly saw God's hand in everything mm-hmm. that's happening or has happened. Yeah. Um, then also he mentions that little town again. Shinar. Shinar. Which is Babylon. Which is Babylon. And so we see Babylon not just reflective as a, as a nation, but as this kind of a power behind nations, an evil power behind nations that exists from Genesis to All Daniel. Into Revelation. Into Revelation that yeah. basically seeks to to tear down what God has built yeah, and to human re- society and, exalting itself yeah, against and re- God and to replace what God builds with a counterfeit, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, and so mm. I think we've got time for this. Okay. Do you remember Jeremiah 24 by any chance off the top of your head? It's got two baskets yes! in there. Okay. So you got two baskets. And, um, and so what you have is, is there's like these, these, uh, figs and one like of the, the baskets are figs. really good figs. Uh huh. 
And, um, and so the one basket stays in Jerusalem or goes to Egypt, and those things get judged. Mm-hmm. And then the good basket is taken to Babylon. Mm. And so what we see is those who were brought to Babylon were actually those God was protecting, not the ones he was judging. Mm-hmm. And so we think about like, so mm-hmm. God brings these people to Babylon under his control, but he has a purpose for them. Mm-hmm. And so Jeremiah goes on to talk about their purposes to, to, to marry, to plant their right. gardens, to help the, so God, God's like, Hey, like, yes, Babylon is against me, but my purpose to the world mm-hmm. um, isn't to curse it, but ultimately to, to bless it. And I want to bless it through my people. And being so, so, so yes, they're being deported to Babylon, but and so you'll see Jeremiah is very influential when we get to chapter mm-hmm. nine mm-hmm. Um, of Daniel's own interpretation of these things. And so right. I, I love the thought of like, yes, they're in Babylon. Yes, Babylon is wicked. But it's not just about how can we survive mm-hmm. in a world opposed to God. It's really like, how can we how can we thrive and how can we be a blessing yeah, to the world? In the against, midst of, of, yeah. the, of the Babylon, Babylon yeah. culture. Yeah, so, Great. so Nebuchadnezzar. He's bringing the best of the best from Jerusalem to Babylon in this first wave of exiles, mm-hmm. which included Daniel and other youth. Yeah. And so what do we know about these youth? They're, One, y- they're young. Yeah. So between <laughs> between 14 and 17 years old. So they're, mm-hmm. they're teenagers. Yeah. With their, so they're younger guys. They're without blemish. They're good looking. They were smart. They were born into royalty. They had the social graces. These were the really the cream of the crop yeah. of the culture there. And so Nebuchadnezzar didn't want to simply educate them, though. So mm-hmm. he wants to disengage them from their previous culture yeah. and to transform them into being full-fledged Babylonians. And yeah. so he does this in three ways. Right. So so how's, how does he do that, Bill? Yeah, so as he's kind of reorienting these guys, this is, they don't tell this in the in the Veggie Tales or in the other little kid stories, but they were made eunuchs. Yeah, so most likely, I mean, like, so there's some debate there, but most likely it's, it's pretty widely accepted that they were emasculated. Yeah, yeah. Um, then so and then they were spoiled. Yeah, so uh, he wants them to be accustomed to the good things of the palace mm-hmm. um, because if they're satisfied with all the good food, all the wine, what's yeah. going to happen? This is per- we're never going to leave this. We're all g- we're going to be loyal. We're going to really encourage other people to to be part of this. Yeah, and then he wants to assimilate them. And how does how does he really assimilate them? Yeah, so he changed their names from the God honoring Hebrew names to the names that were affiliated with their various Babylonian gods. Mm. So yeah, a new so identity. He, he wants them to forget who they were in God and to mm-hmm. adopt these these new identities. Mm-hmm. So Nebuchadnezzar, he wanted Daniel and his three friends to forget Jerusalem, forget their God, forget their temple, and everything else related to their Jewish heritage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but Daniel resolves. He's like, I'm not going to defile myself with the king's food. So yeah. what, is, what does he do, Bill? Yeah, so they say, we're not going to eat the king's food. We just want to have you know fruits and vegetables, plain food and water. And and this obviously the, the people overseeing that are like, no, you're going to look haggard and worn out, and the king's going to be really upset with us because that's not the plan. Um, but they do, and they come back later, and they are they look great. They're sharp. Uh, they're impressive, and so they they prove that hey, we're gonna you know we can stick with this. Yeah, so that they're ten times better than anyone else um, that went through the king's program. And uh, so I know one of the questions that someone asked me was like. Does this does this mean that we should be vegan? Um, and they're like, you know, think about it. Like before the fall, we were we we weren't eating animals because there's not death. Uh-huh. And so so therefore, should should we ultimately go back to vegan? And does this not show? Does this not prove right here? And I, I would say, well, ten days isn't enough to transform anybody. Like no one, like P ninety X or yeah, Sean T or any other fit, like CrossFit. No one's saying in ten days we'll get you completely transformed. So, uh-huh. so I would say like there's something supernatural yeah. at play here. Yeah, like can you watch the Netflix documentary Game Changers and and can you thrive on a vegan diet? Absolutely. Uh-huh. Like it's good, but I don't think I don't think biblically we have to go back to yeah, being vegan. Yeah, that's not that, what he's trying to establish yeah. here. It's just showing these guys. In, in how they initially take a stand to stay faithful to yeah. their God as teenagers, which is so impressive. And then it's 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 a pattern that yeah. we see throughout their their lives. Yeah, so yeah. their, their concern obviously was to not defile themselves. Like they they really didn't want to to do anything against their conscience with being faithful to God. So they're they're like, hey, this food we don't know what's been sacrificed to. We don't know if it's kosher. We're just, we're just gonna stay away. Yeah. Um. So um, that gets us to to. To chapter two. Mm-hmm. In chapter two, God speaks to Nebuchadnezzar through a dream. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he can't sleep. 
something's troubling him. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and, and he's crazy. So <laughs> yeah, he so, says, somebody tell me this dream and tell me what it means. Yeah, so he brings his wise men in and he's like, like what? they're like, well, what's the dream? We'll tell you what it means. He's like, no, 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 I'm not going to tell you the dream. Tell me what I dreamed. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then and, you prove that you really know what, that you're really, you've got insight from the gods. If you can tell me what my dream was. Yeah. And, and so tell me what can means. anybody at this point do it? No. <laughs> and so what's his game plan? Well, now you guys are all frauds. So I'm going to kill every one of you. And it's his system. Yeah. Like he made this system yeah. of wise men. He brought him in. He educated him. He did. And he's just like, I don't know if the system I, I've invested in works. Let's just scrap it. Yeah. And Daniel's like, wait, I'm a wise man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to die. And so Daniel do? comes in and what does Daniel do? Yeah. So he tell he tells his friends, you guys, he says, guys, we need to fast and pray and ask God to give the, give us the, give this uh, dream and the interpretation for it. And so he, and he does. And that's one of Daniel's gifts uh, is actually throughout his life that he's able to, um, you know, discern the meanings of dreams. And so he does. Yeah. So he tells him the dream. Yep. Which might've for, for Nebuchadnezzar, this is like having to relive the nightmare uh-huh. as he's telling it to him. Yeah. And, um, and then he explains it. And so, um, so there's this huge statue and it's made up mm-hmm. of different types of metal. Mm-hmm. Um, so the head's gold. Yeah. Like, so if we're reading this through the historic lens, who's yeah, that so be? we got Babylon here. And they're, they're like historians always marvel at how much gold the Babylonian kingdom mm-hmm. had. Um, the chest and arms of silver. So that's the Persians and the Medes who conquer Babylon. Um, then the, the middle and the thighs, it's made up of bronze, which it's is Greece, who then who conquered the Persians. Yeah. And so, um, and it's interesting, like a lot of their weapons with Alexander the Great were, were helmets, breastplates, shields, and swords that were made, made of bronze. bronze. Right. And then we get bel- the legs, and they're iron, and the feet are partly of iron and partly of clay. So, yeah, so that's, that's the Roman Empire, which mm-hmm. expanded and conquered the known world by force, but it got so big yeah. that it's uncontrollable, which causes it to crumble and fall apart. Fall apart. Mm-hmm. So, he, here's an interesting observation. Um, Notice how the statue's metals increase in strength, but they decrease in value as time goes on. Uh-huh. So the Bible doesn't teach us that humanity is progressively getting better. It teaches that we're progressively getting stronger, but when it comes to morality, we're headed in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's, that's a good thing to look at. And then also, um, from a narrow perspective, it looks like these kingdoms aren't going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But they're... they're but at the end of the day, like as we pull back, we see that each of these kingdoms has a shelf life. They're all playing right into God's hands to bring forth what the Bible calls the fullness of time. The fullness of time. And so each yeah. kingdom is unknowingly paving the way for who? For Jesus. Yeah. So th- this just yeah. blows my mind. So the Persians allow the Jews to do what? They allow them to return to their land. Yeah. And then um then Greek, the Greeks provide the universal language. Yeah, this universal language that the whole world's using. Right. And then the the Roman Empire comes in and like they, they play a f- huge role in fulfilling a lot of prophecies in the mm-hmm. way that they execute Jesus and kill yeah. Jesus. But um, but they also brought into existence... They're this road system. Yeah, all, yeah, all, all these roads. roads. Lead to Rome. <laughs> and so it's, it's like a modern-day highway system that connects all these nations. Allowed the spread of the gospel. Yeah, so what, what, what Paul in Galatians talks about, the fullness of time, it's like Jesus, if he would have lived and died and rose again at any other previous point in history, mm-hmm. the news would have been contained. Right. But yeah. because of Rome, the news written in a universal language by the Greeks was released could spread everywhere. to the nations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, yeah. So the climax of this vision is a stone that strikes the image annihilates it. Yes. Um, and then it expands into a mountain that soon fills the whole earth, the whole earth kingdom of so, God. Yeah. So I think that's a pretty cool, uh, pretty cool perspective on that. Yes. Good stuff. Um, so, so now how many years passes between chapters yeah, two and 16 three? 16 to 20 years. The, our guys have gotten, have they grown up? Uh, yeah. And so, yeah. So the acceptance of Daniel and his God, it's dwindled. Like mm-hmm. the, 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 at the end of chapter two, it's like, like yeah, Daniel's God's a good God, not right. not my God. Yeah. Nebuchadnezzar's not claiming him personally. Right. Um, but then Daniel exits the story. He's no longer there. But we've got his three friends: mm-hmm. Shadrach, what, what, Meshach, and Abednego. What are their names in Veggie Tales? Do you know? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Benny is. Say it again, Carter. Shaq, Rack, and Benny from Carter off stage here. Thanks, Carter. Shaq, Rack, and old Benny. Um, so what, what happens to them? Yeah, so they are, uh, you know, so he builds, uh, maybe he's inspired by the dream, and then years later he's building this giant statue for everybody to um, worship. Let's not do those other medals, though. Just yeah, just just cold, uh, build that thing and cover it in gold. 
and 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 he's going to unveil it, and everybody that sees it has to, and they're going to play music. And when you hear the band play, everyone's supposed to bow down. Yeah, and so the spirit of Babylon seeks to destroy what God has built and to replace it with a counterfeit. Mm-hmm. This is counterfeit revival. Yeah, it's a counterfeit revival. Counterfeit worship. There. And so Daniel's friends, do they bow down when the trumpets play? They don't. Yeah, wow. and what happens? Brave. And so when the king finds out, he is ticked off. And so he says, uh, and he had said this, if you don't, if you won't bow, you will burn. And they won't bow. So he gets, he says, okay, take those guys and throw them into the fiery furnace. And he looks in, what does he see? This is awesome. There's four people walking around yeah. there. They don't smell like smoke, no and singed they come hairs. Out, yeah, they, um, there's nothing. Any thoughts on who that fourth person is? Sounds like a good worship song. It could, it could be, could be another that, in the fire. That way, someone coined that lyric. Yes. Um, yeah. So it's Jesus is walking with them. He meets them in the midst of those flames. Yeah. So, so I think it's a. I, I would say I, th- I think it's Jesus. Mm-hmm. I think Jesus is there. Some people would debate it. Um, and so. Yeah, and and it's the language that when they look and he says, and one of them looks like a son of the gods. Yeah. You know? But I love like because you think about fire. In Scripture, it really serves two purposes. One purpose is judgment, but what's, what's the other purpose? Of fire? Refining, refining, yeah, to, just to get the, the dross out it's, of the precious. So metals. I think there's such a good picture here of one is like when you're faithful to God, you will be judged by the world. So you have fire there, mm-hmm. but God uses that judgment to refine us to make us more like Christ, mm-hmm. um, because Christ was judged. Mm-hmm. Um, he took the ultimate judgment yeah. of 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 the cross, right. you know, of, of the punishment of sin that we deserved, and so. But he suffered by the judgment of the world to that end, mm-hmm. and so when we suffer, we identify with Christ in a special way, and so that's re- so the suffering, the judgment we get from the world is ultimately refining us to better understand. Mm, yeah, Jesus. And, and, so, and I think the the way that the they faced it, they said, "We we will not bow to you, and you throw us in the fire. Our God will deliver us, and even if He doesn't, we're still not going to bow." And, and so there's something in that of like, "I will I will face whatever these consequences are, whatever the trials, judgments." And um, and and they it may go really hard for yeah. me, but I'm still I'm not going to bow down. Yeah, that's to anyone good. else. I do think it's important to note that um, Daniel and his friends are are more the exception than the expectation. Mm. And so, so a lot of people just read read the back half of Hebrews 11, <laughs> and a, a lot of people don't get delivered. That's right. A lot of people you're going to face burned. your suffering. A lot of people do get torn to shreds by lions. And yeah. so, so to realize that like God does work in, in miraculous Supernatural ways. deliverance, but, um, but yeah, but the, but these guys, like, it's not like if you're faithful to Jesus, you'll never die. It's like, well, the truth is like, if you're faithful to Jesus, people you're probably going to go through some hard day. times. Yeah. 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 So chapter um, four, 30 years, yeah, 30 years have passed since the furnace. So Daniel's around 50 years old. Mm-hmm. Nebuchadnezzar has another dream. This time it's about a tree. So what, mm-hmm. what, do, what do we know about the tree, Bill? It's strategically placed at the center of the world. It's really strong. It's visible to everyone on earth. It supplies food, shade, and shelter to the people. This is an impressive tree. Yeah, and what happens to the tree? It gets chopped down. But what's, what's around it? So they leave a stump and they surround it with metal. Yeah, so it's almost like there's a chance of a comeback. <laughs> you know? It's like, oh, let's protect it. it. There's a stump. It so. We're going to protect this little stump. Um, then that stump gets personified. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so so Daniel gets to tell the king yeah. what this vision is about. And what, what does he say? Yeah, he said, I wish this was about one of your enemies, but it's about you, O king. And you are going to, you're the tree, you're going to fall, but God is going to restore you. Yeah, and so what's crazy is um, he gives him an out. Mm-hmm. If he repents, yeah, if you, yeah, and then he waits a year. Mm-hmm. So there's a whole year that Nebuchadnezzar could have listened to this and said, "Okay, is there a way out? Yes, repent." And he could have changed, but instead he just continues on. Mm-hmm. So a year goes by, and um, and then he goes crazy. <laughs> yeah, so he's he's like there's actually like medical conditions for people who think they're animals. Uh-huh. Like uh, so, wow. um, so he he gets he he falls, he goes crazy. Um, he's, he's an animal eating the the grass of the field, so he's looking down. But eventually yeah. there's this this literary imagery of him finally looking up. Mm. So God's humbled him by bringing yeah. him low. Yeah. But then he looks up. When he looks up, it's like he sees what he needs. He, he realizes who he is before a holy God. Mm-hmm. And he's yeah. restored to his kingdom. Right. And um, and after that, there's some amazing words uh, uh, in verse 37 of, of his response yeah. to this. He says, Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, Praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, for all his works are right and his ways are just, and those who walk in pride 
he is able to humble. Yeah, I'm like, I think this is this is huge because no one's too far gone to experience God's grace. Mm-hmm. And when you look at the timeline here, it may have taken 40 years of Daniel just showing him God's love again mm-hmm. and again and again. Mm-hmm. Um, and he eventually sees it and knows it on a personal level. Mm-hmm. And so I think for for me, it's man, if, if you have somebody that you're like, they just feel like they're too far gone mm-hmm. um, or there's no way they'll ever come to know Jesus, don't give up. That's right. Don't give up. Yeah. Um, yeah. Any other thoughts on that chapter? That's great. That's good. Um, chapter five, Daniel's now in his seventies or eighties. Mm-hmm. Um, Nebuchadnezzar's dead. So he's, 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 he's exited stage left. There's a new King who's living in rebellion to God and he's just, he's, he's partying it up. You know, yeah. the finger of God shows up and writes a message on the wall. Yeah. Basically saying your kingdom will be destroyed by your enemy because your kingdom has been found lacking in moral and spiritual value. Mm-hmm. And this clues us into who's ultimately going to conquer Babylon, which yeah. is going to be the Persians and the Medes, Persians and the, Medes. the enemies at the gates and they're, partying it up oblivious. Yeah, it's really cool when you see how this was historically fulfilled. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, they basically, the Persians and Medes divert um, the Euphrates River around the city. Yeah. And so then where that Euphrates ran through it. That's how they were able to It becomes a highway. Yes. You know, it's a highway for them. They marched up the river under the gates into the city. Which was, you know, the the hanging gardens of Babylon were one of the great things about that city that was so impressive and they were fed by that river. And so it was like this very thing that was sourcing their impressiveness gets diverted and subverted to become their source of their downfall. Yeah. There. Yeah. Um, so any, any other thoughts on chapter five? You know, it's a good you, chapter. A great chapter. When they talk about Daniel uh, and, and um, this Belshazzar hears about him, his, uh, the queen mother says, there is a man in your kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. And he, it, she talks about his wisdom and the fact that he has an excellent spirit and they're, they actually say that a few more times in the chapter. And I love just, if you go back through Daniel and look at the descriptions of him, yeah, that is really compelling about who Daniel was as a person, as a man who he had spirit, and we see he had spiritual disciplines yeah. that he you know stuck with his whole life and they shaped him and he served. So he was faithful to the Lord. He served well in the in his role as his civic duties and his yeah. you know his vocation he was a man with an excellent spirit and there's some some ins- it's inspiring to me to see the life of Daniel. Oh, it's huge and and also like think about this he's 70 to 80 years old mm-hmm. he's probably retired from his his being a wise man stuff right. no one's too old yeah. to be used, to be used by god no well a lot of people say like that when you get in that stage of your life that's when you can make some of the biggest impacts yeah, um, because of all the wisdom that you've gained. And so it's, and it's encouraging that we, you know, as we are aging through life and going through this journey to say, man, when I hit 70, I want to hit that. That would be a peak of wisdom and an influence. And I'd have an excellent spirit. I'm not just kind of winding down and puttering around, but that there's a, a really powerful purpose for my life in that season too. Yeah. There's I, some buddies of mine, got to sit down with a couple of pastors in Atlanta that I, I think are just heroes of the faith. A guy named Crawford Loritz, mm-hmm. I've got him Randy Pope, and um, Brian Wright. And so these guys have really shaped, I would say you'd add Charles Stanley to that mix. He wasn't present, but those guys have really shaped so much of, of the Southeast. Yeah. And, um, and so all these guys are, are in their mid sixties mm-hmm. and they basically said like, you know, you have 20 to 40, 40 to 60 and they're like, but then you got that 60 to 80 range. And like, so they're, they're like, they see it, like they're kind of in their sweet spot, you mm-hmm. know? And just like think about it. I'm like, man, there'll be a day bill. And we're, <laughs> we're in that age. We're, that we're, age we're in the learning a lot of wisdom right now. I'm yeah. going getting our knocks so, and, and learning stuff. But yeah. Yeah. So that's good. I was going to say this later, but I'll say it now. What's interesting. So, so 70 to 80, mm-hmm. that's, um, that's 25,000 to about 30,000, um, days mm-hmm. that they've lived. Mm-hmm. That Daniel's lived, mm. um, twenty five thousand to thirty thousand days. Um, over the course of those days, nine extraordinary events for Daniel's life. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of faithfulness in the ordinary. That's right. That prepares him for the extraordinary. Yes. And so I, I think, like you know, sometimes we can look at this and just get so caught up in the extraordinary, but realize like, yes, he got to take part in some incredible things, but a lot of it was just ordinary day-to-day life and he was faithful in the ordinary yeah, consistent each yeah. day so that's right that's huge so this is probably the most well-known story in the book in chapter six right daniel in the lion's den yeah right this this most kids 
who have been in church know this yeah. know this one. Um, Babylon's fallen. There's a new government, a new king. Daniel's in good standing with this king, mm-hmm. but the officials aren't fans of his. Mm-hmm. And so they come up with this plan to trap Daniel, to get Daniel killed by having King, king Darius make a law. So what, what, what's the law they propose? Yes, yeah, so the law is if anyone worships and or prays to any god or person other than the king, that they are going to get thrown into the lion's den. So because he lived an upright life, they had to um, make they had to make his prayer life illegal. Yeah, and his and his faithfulness was public. He didn't. He wasn't like keep your faith private. It was like he people, people publicly saw him praying, and mm-hmm. um, and he doesn't stop. He doesn't change course. Right. And so what what has to happen? So he's going to get thrown in the lion's den. And does the king? So he's like, yeah, you got to die now. Does the king want him to die? No, and he actually he but, fasts that that night and yeah, prays for Daniel. But it's like, but his hands are tied. Yeah, because of the way that it's, their laws it's interesting. Work. Like when you when you look at Pontius Pilate, did he want to kill Jesus? No, but he's like, but my hands are yeah, I'm kind of being forced my into hands this. Hands are tied. Yeah, you know, it's almost mm-hmm. like the, you see a parallel there. Yeah, parallel yeah. there. So Daniel gets thrown in to the lion's den. And what happens? God shuts the mouths of the lions. Like that should be another worship song. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, and it's terrifying. I've been I've seen lions up close and looking into the eyes of a lion, it is I mean, they're stone cold killers. Powerful yeah. creatures. Yeah. I mean, just uh, terrifying. I love this. Charles Spurgeon, uh-huh. uh, a famous preacher yep. from London, said it's a good thing the lions didn't try to eat Daniel because they wouldn't have enjoyed him <laughs> since he was half grit and the other half backbone. Oh, come on. <laughs> he was a he was a tough, tough old dude. I mean, he's old at this point, right? How I mean, good 80, was Spurgeon with words. He was he was a poet. You gotta <laughs> read his sermons, man. You just it's poetry. Yeah, I just you you laugh out loud. It's good for so, the soul. Yeah. But yeah, old man and just anyway. So the lions are shut. The mouths are shut. Mm-hmm. Um I think I think. Um, so the the story, it's it's a shadow of Jesus. We're going to come back to it. We kind of alluded okay. to it. We'll we'll come back to that. Mm-hmm. But before we we jump to the final section, I, I think it's important to make. Um, never, I've already talked about this. I talked about how the, I talked about how um eighty eighty years yeah a lot of ordinary so, faithfulness sorry. in the ordinary. I know. I, I, I jumped again and said that before. It's I'm good. Intended to, it was, so we're good. It's a great. Yeah. Any, any other thoughts on the first six chapters? Yeah. Uh, no, I think that's that gives us. Pretty good picture of Daniel uh, yeah. and his faithfulness. So chapter 7 through 12, um, I would say it's it's not a manual to predict Jesus' return. There's there's a shift. It's, it's no longer telling stories. It's right. now... Visions and dreams, yeah, it's, predictions, it's apocalyptic. Um, and so I'd say this isn't a, a manual to help us to predict when Jesus is going to return. Um, I would say let's plan to be on the welcome committee if God is gracious enough to let us do that. Uh-huh. Um but we're not going to be on the planning committee. So let's just go <laughs> in the towel. We're not, okay. we're not doing that. And I would say some people read these chapters and they, they kind of take away all of the, the apocalyptic stuff. They're like, no, this is, this has all been fulfilled. They read it through a historical lens. Mm-hmm. Some people, they, on the, uh, the other end of things, they read it through an end times lens. So it's all about the end times, uh-huh. but to read it rightly, we have to read it through a prophetic lens mm-hmm. and the prophetic lens sees both does historical both. and yeah, apocalyptic yeah. end times. So, yeah. so strange to, um, right, so for the sake of time, instead of just going chapter by chapter, we'll, we'll talk more about just the four visions. Mm-hmm. And so the first vision is of four beasts, which yeah. represents four kingdoms. Right. So yeah. the we got lion and the eagle's wings. Who do you think for that Babylon. is? Babylon. Because like they, they've looked at the gates of Babylon, and guess what's on top of these gates? Yeah. Lions. Lions with eagle Eagles, wings. So, yeah. so we got Babylon. Um, so if, I think when we think animals, if I was to say like, you know, hey, the the bears are going to play the Falcons like mm-hmm. animals. Right. But who yeah. am I talking about? Football teams. Yeah. Football teams. So for them, like animals would have represented kingdoms. Uh-huh. Right. So you got the lumpy bear. Good. <laughs> Who's that? Right. The Persians and the Medes. Yeah. You got that little lumps. Like the Persian was the biggest one, but the beads were, were, were around, but not as big. Mm-hmm. The leopard it would be Greece. And I think about just like swiftness. When you look at like at this mm-hmm. point of this prophecy, Greece was just a blip on the map, mm-hmm. and um, and so, but they're gonna swiftly mm-hmm. conquer. So you see that that quickness. Mm-hmm. Then you have the beasts with the iron teeth. Yeah, they don't even describe what, what kind of animal it might be similar to, but it's just some kind of ferocious yeah, creature. And who's that gonna be? And that's Rome. Yeah, and I think it's interesting that when Nebuchadnezzar dreamed about these kingdoms, um, they were they were precious metals, mm-hmm. right? Attractive. Yeah. But when Daniel dreams about these kingdoms, they're beasts. They're wicked beasts. Yeah. yeah. So he he sees things from a from a 
from God's eyes, mm-hmm. not man's eyes. Yeah. And, and he and sees these. It reminds me of Nebuchadnezzar when he was humbled. He was humbled to, and he was became like a beast. And so there's yeah. a little bit of a theme connecting those. One of the biggest things when you're reading through the Gospels is looking at the way that Jesus describes himself. And so we talked about how when he had when he when he calls himself Son of Man, mm-hmm. you know, um, there's significance to that. Another title is Son of God. Yeah. Um, and so, um, or yeah, so so. Um, Chapter seven has yeah. that reference to the Son of Man. Son of Man. Verse thirteen, he says, "Behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like the Son of Man." Yeah. So, um, so as as the Son of Man, um, he comes, and who does he come to? To the Ancient of Days. Yeah. So the Ancient yeah. of Days, and so the Son of Man would be a, be the Messiah. So when right. when he's on trial, and the high priest is like, "Are you the Son of Man?" He's yeah. like, "He's like they're referencing the, Are you the Messiah? Yeah, are you the yeah, Messiah?" Coming so to when, the when he says, "I am," they're, they they tear their clothes. Mm-hmm. The Ancient of Days, like I said, it's God the Father. And so what's interesting here is a lot of people see this as a as about the end times. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting is he, he, the end times, what does Jesus do? He comes from heaven to earth. Mm-hmm. Um, the Ancient of Days is in heaven. So this is about him going to, to the Ancient of Days. So this yeah. is more about his ascension. Uh-huh. And so I think the, the good news here is this is about Jesus ascending to heaven after the cross, mm-hmm. which reminds us that even in the midst of everything going wrong in the world, um, mm-hmm. living in, in a world that still is affected by sin, even that we were reminded not to to lose hope, not to operate in fear, but to be reminded that like even in the midst of this, we we know that Jesus is on His throne, mm-hmm. and so yeah. Jesus has gone to the ancient days. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and so That's He's good. He's still ruling and reigning. So it might seem that things are out of control, but they're not. Jesus has it all right. under control. Right on. Right um, on. Any other thoughts on that? The That's ancient of, ancient of days or the. It's good. It's I mean, and it's, so Daniel's. He's kind of. He says, "My spirit within me was anxious, and the visions of my head alarmed me." He's being. I mean, he's pretty deeply impacted by what he's seeing here. Yeah. Um. This is this is not on my notes, but um, just something that's interesting is the first time I heard "Ancient of Days." Um, oh yeah, that was old a song. was a Shane and Shane song. Oh, and okay. where he does like the triples on the guitar the uh, when he yeah. plays. And so when I was in college, I just loved trying to get that in, trying to get those in. Um, but. Thinking about that, you hear the song, you sing it, but then when you read it and see it read in scripture, when we were in Guatemala um, for a mission trip, there's a bunch of youth and they're singing these songs. And, and the youth minister we were working with said, we did a series called The, the Songs We Sing. Uh-huh. And so they did is they took all these songs that they were hearing at church and just began to teach the Bible stories that they came from because mm-hmm. the kids were singing about Jesus leaving the 99 to pursue the one and it meant nothing. But then when they heard the story, Oh yeah, and they connect the dots. Like yeah. all of a sudden, he said it transformed their worship. Where they're like, "That's what we're talking about. We're mm. singing about this." The and like, and then it was much more. And so, so I think wow. it's really cool as we're going through scripture. I, we jokingly reference songs, but it really is like when you when you see good worship songs that are rooted in, in scripture, scripture, and when you understand the scripture behind them, it does transform yeah. the way you worship. So and good. so, so yeah. So ancient days, good worship song. Mm-hmm. Um, the second vision, yeah, a ram, a goat. And a little horn. Yeah. So where the 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 first vision had these four kingdoms, and the second vision zooms in on the middle there, mm-hmm. and so so it zooms in on the Persians and the Medes and Greece and Greece. And so Alexander the Great is the little horn. Mm-hmm. Um, he conquers the known world by his early thirties, but then he dies. He dies. Yeah. And, uh, and what does verse eight say? The little horn gets crushed, and then four horns take its place. Yeah, and so after Alexander the Great dies, the kingdom literally gets divided up between his four generals, mm-hmm. um, one of which is Antiochus, does horrible things yeah. to God's people, um, mm-hmm. fulfilling most of the stuff from from this chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of gets us to, to chapter 9, which is, I would say it's, we've been talking about visions. This is probably more of a prophecy than a vision, mm-hmm. but it's awesome. It's a prayer rooted in Jeremiah, mm-hmm. being reminded that God fulfills his word. And so what did Jeremiah predict yeah, would happen? 70 years of captivity and then the return. Yeah. And I love that because, because like, I think sometimes we see that word 70 and we don't, we just think, yes, yeah, 70 years, very intentional. Mm-hmm. Um, so every, every 50th year was supposed to be a year of Jubilee, a year of Jubilee. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and every seventh year they were supposed to rest the land. Mm-hmm. And so there were 490 years, um, that Israel didn't rest the land. Mm. Um, and so 490 divided by seven 
is 70. Mm-hmm. And so it's almost like God is claiming that rest <laughs> that the land it's never come got. Back, right? He's like, hey, you guys owe me 70 years yeah. of rest. So I'm just going to, I'm going to, if you're not going to do the rest, I'll force you to rest. Uh-huh. Which for me, I, I know like, I feel like sometimes that's the way I, I keep pushing and pushing and pushing. And I feel like when God, God's like, if you, if you won't if rest, you, I'll force you to rest. Right. Like, and you get sick or you injure yes. yourself or something. Yes. Just to get a little reminder something. Uh, and so, Mm. Anyways, so verses 24 through 27 in chapter 9, they get crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, and it's hard to nail down an exact timeline because they're like, are these numbers literal or are they symbolic? They're, uh-huh. It talks about these sevens. Yeah. Are the sevens mentioned of these weeks or mm-hmm. the years? Right. Um, the different calendars. Do you know like the, the Jewish calendar? How many days is that? Is it 360? 360. The lunar yeah. calendar is... 365. So it's like, so if we're trying to make it years, like what... Uh-huh. Are we applying? So then you try to uh, your timeline is going to be all jacked up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you try to nail this, nail this mm. down, and so there's there's a lot of questions that you have here, and and so I would say a good rule of thumb in reading apocalyptic literature, mm. um, don't get so caught up in the obscure that you miss the obvious. Mm. So the obscure is the date of Jesus's return, mm-hmm. but what's what's the obvious? The obvious is that he's he is coming back. <laughs> yeah, so it's like the obvious like he's, things are going to get worse. Yeah. Um, but Jesus will return. That's right. He <laughs> he wins. He comes back. That's the big, yeah. that's the point. Um that, there's so much in that chapter. Anything else you, you had note 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 wise on that? Uh no, that's all I've got. I love mean, he confesses his sin. He confesses the sin of the people. Um, mm-hmm. He he doesn't know what's going on. He gets Gabriel. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, anyways, um, oh oh, he says you are greatly loved in mm-hmm. chapter nine. He's going to come say that a few more times. Yeah, three times in so, there. Then the last vision is chapters twelve through or ten through twelve, and it's of this final conflict. And so mm-hmm. chapter ten shows us that there's one reality. God's reality, mm-hmm. but there are two realms: a physical realm and a spiritual realm. Um, the spiritual, the spiritual realm we can't see, mm-hmm. but chapter ten shows us that what we can't see, that spiritual realm, absolutely affects us in the physical. So we kind of know, like, yes, there's something happening behind the scenes, mm-hmm. and it absolutely is affecting the way that we're experiencing life in the absolutely. present. Absolutely. So that's that's a good reminder. Yes. Um, in chapter eleven, I think you can make a really good case that that the majority of this has already been fulfilled. Mm-hmm. So so verses 1 through 4, the struggle between Persia and Greece, we mm-hmm. see that fulfilled with, with wars there. Verses 5 through 20, you see the struggle between Syria and Egypt fulfilling that. Yeah. Um, verses 20 through 35 is fulfilled through Antiochus Epiphanes, um, mm-hmm. who gets just humiliated by Rome. Mm-hmm. Um, but verses 36 through 45 it's talking about an antichrist who is yet to come. Mm-hmm. So in Daniel's vision, it seems like it's talking about the same person to him. Um, but when you look at it historically, it's like, wait, wait, either he got it wrong or there's a switch and it's talking about someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah. Yeah. So, and that's a strange chapter to read. I, I definitely would encourage people if you, uh, when you have time to get your study Bible and actually read through how every everything that he's talking about in this strange chapter has this historical parallel that's pretty easy for historians to connect yeah, the dots to. Yeah, it really is. And um, what, what, so when you think about Antiochus and what he did to the temple, um, you know, he's he's just he's super indebted to mm-hmm. to Rome. He's he's imprisoned. He gets he gets let go. Then he goes just lashes out at God's people because he's mad and wants to get a victory. It's like a like a bully that just goes beats up on someone that's smaller than him because he got humiliated by someone mm-hmm. else. Um, but he, I mean, he destroys the temple and uh, he, he files just it. files it. He, um, he takes God's word and he lays it out across the temple and just tramples it. Mm-hmm. And I think this is so important because he really, he's, he embodies the spirit of the antichrist. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's such a powerful picture that, that he's walking over God's word. Mm-hmm. That's the spirit of the antichrist. Yeah. So when we choose to stand above God's word, like I'm the ultimate authority. I decide what I like. Right. Um, I can pick and choose, or uh, my my desires, my wants are more important. Like I, I have a better morality. I have a be- whatever. Yeah, we are operating knowingly or unknowingly under the spirit of the Antichrist, mm-hmm. which is exactly what he embodies. But instead of that, uh, instead of being over God's word, a true follower, a faithful follower, should position themselves under under God's yeah. word. But I, but I think that 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 spirit of the antichrist that he physically shows by walking over God's word. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we have that same we spirit that. now by, by, by standing over it, mm-hmm. um, not physically walking over the Bible, but 
Yeah, but the, by our by our, our heart's action. attitude, yeah. our pride towards yeah. towards that, our humility. Um, then chapter twelve is it's it's about the end times. Yep, <laughs> <laughs> and it gives it gives one of the most clear descriptions of what happens when Jesus is returned. Mm-hmm. Um, can, can you yeah. read that? Yeah, sure. That verse and two. It, yeah, verse two. I think uh, many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth. What, yeah. what is that? Yeah, uh, many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Yeah, and so I know, like when you read in the Gospels, like you know, some people don't believe in the resurrection of, of Jewish leadership. Some yeah, do, Sadducees. but I would say this is the most clear yeah. Old Testament um, I think it's the scripture. First time, yeah, in the Old Testament, that would that would defend that. or or talk about resurrection. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Um, anything else um, in those the chapters before we get to the the shadows of Jesus? Yeah, I think you know one of the things you see in Daniel's life. We talked about his spiritual disciplines. He was consistent in his prayer life each day. Um, he was, he, he spent time in fasting. Um, and, and he's, you know, even in, in this section, he's, he takes 21 days to, mm-hmm. which we're getting ready to start a 21 yeah. day fast. And, and he, you know, says, I'm just eating fruits and vegetables cause I want to have understanding of what God is doing. And I think that that's, that's inspiring to say, man, when you set apart time and you seek the Lord like that, you, you, you do experience clarity yeah, uh, in, in the reality of the spiritual realm and how it's affecting the physical realm, it's one of the benefits uh, of fasting. Yeah, uh, to do that, and so I love seeing that in Daniel's life as he seeks the Lord. And but then the the there's these beautiful moments in nine and ten. Three times it says that um, God speaks to him and says, "You are greatly loved," mm. and it's not because he was doing all these spiritual things and. Uh, you know, was was going hard. He, he he was already loved. Yeah, and God, and I and I think that's a good encouragement that as you are seeking, in, you know, you're embracing spiritual disciplines, you're seeking the Lord. Start, let Him speak to you first, and yeah. say, "Hey, you're greatly loved." And here, that's and I good. want to, and I want to show you some things. Yeah, I love we've it, the last couple of books we've seen some fasting. Yeah, going on. So that's good. Yeah, regular part. As, as we get ready, as you mentioned that we're getting ready for a, right. a little church wide fast. So shadows of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if this is a shadow or not, but I think it's interesting. Daniel had to make a 700-mile trip from Jerusalem to Babylon mm-hmm. um, where he ultimately becomes the main um, educator of the Magi, of mm-hmm. the wise men, mm-hmm. and um, and he teaches them to read God's word and, uh, and to look for the Messiah. Mm-hmm. And then fast forward 600 years, and mm-hmm. Magi walk 700 miles uh-huh. from Babylon to go find Jesus. To see Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So, um, interesting. So I think that's an interesting, interesting thing. But uh-huh. um, Daniel in the lion's den. Like, yeah. Man. So I was looking back on some notes on this, and I was like, this is so good. Because when we read stories, typically like it's like the sermon is be a Daniel, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And we read ourselves into the story. Like when I think about the disciples, I'm like, like who'd you be? And I'm like, I, I, I'm like I'd probably be more like Peter or something. Uh-huh. And I'm like, I'm probably the... I'm probably one of the Jameses, which no one really knows about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it's like right. probably not, probably not a okay. upfront guy. Uh-huh. But think about it, like, what if we are in the story of the the lines? And what if we're more of the the satraps and the high officials than than, mm-hmm. than the Daniel? Yeah. And yeah. so, um, what we have here is is Scripture tells us that without Christ, we're hostile towards Him. And were his enemies, mm-hmm. the satraps and the officials who are enemies to Daniel. Yeah. Um, like Darius, God's law cannot be changed, and if broken, the punishment is That's death. death. Right. Um, so we've broken the law of God. We deserve His eternal wrath. This is bad mm-hmm. news. But the good news is, is like Darius with Daniel in verse fourteen, God has an incredible love for us, mm-hmm. and His desire is to He's going to rescue us. To rescue us. Yeah. Um, but where Darius fell short, God stands victorious through who? Through Jesus. Through Jesus, yeah. Mm-hmm. So Jesus stepped into history, um, and our actions, like the actions of the satraps and the high officials, led him into a den. A den. Um, but where Daniel was spared, um, was spared the teeth of the lions, Jesus suffers he, their wounds. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, um, and in the same way that the stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, verse 17, mm-hmm. what it, and it sealed Daniel's fate to be right. as good as dead. Yeah. Jesus truly died and had a similar stone brought and laid on the mouth of his grave. Um, but, but just, <laughs> yeah, but just like Daniel, who walked out of the den unharmed without a bone being broken, Jesus stood up and walked out of the grave, mm-hmm. conquering death and making a way for us to truly yeah, live. Like so, on. Jesus is the greater Daniel. <laughs> Come on, 
Yeah, so um, in many ways, Jesus is the greater Daniel. Mm-hmm. I mean, both went from glory of royalty um, to the humility of poverty and returned to the glory and royalty. Mm-hmm. Um, both went from their home to enter into a world that was dark and opposed it to them um, and all that they believed about God. Mm-hmm. Both were filled by the Holy Spirit. Yeah, both traveled with a few faithful friends through their adversities and hardships. Both had tremendous wisdom for making ethical decisions under duress. Yeah, both were given incredible authority, helping to rule over the kingdoms of Babylon, in Daniel's case, and then heaven, in Jesus' case. And neither married a woman or fathered children. Mm -hmm. They were both forced to walk into their doom in chains. Both stopped to pray for wisdom throughout their difficult journey through this world. Yeah, and the Bible has nothing bad to say about either man. Yeah, Um, both men were wrongly accused and arrested on false charges, Mm -hmm. um, even though the political leaders overseeing the process declared them innocent. innocent. And then then both men were placed in a tomb or a pit with a stone covering the entrance, and they were both miraculously delivered alive. And both men had exemplary character. Um, They humbly stood against demonic evil and... Suffered greatly. Yeah, suffered greatly for their loyalty. And so um, the Bible is is not ultimately about us, what we're about supposed to do. Mm. It's ultimately about Jesus Jesus and what he's he's done. Yeah, it's good stuff. A lot of good stuff in here. Well, Bill, we've, we've got three books... And we're done with the Old Testament. Whoa. So how many books are in the Old Testament? Alive, 39 books. That means we've covered 36. Whoa. So we've got <laughs> we've got um, Malachi. Yeah. First and then and first Chronicles. and second Chronicles. And then we're gonna be in Matthew. All right. So, looking forward to it. All right. We'll see you guys next week. Mm-hmm.